Hello, this is Barry O'Carroll from the Europe Direct Information Centre at Blanchardstown Library. I'm here with another in our series called Europe Direct Questions and Answers on COVID-19 Vaccination. Today I'm joined by Dr Lucy Jessup, who is the Director of the National Immunisation Office, is a Director of Public Health and is responsible for the coordination of all national immunisation programmes. So Dr Jessup, thank you very much for speaking to me today. Okay, we'll get started because everyone is really eager to know uh, how the vaccination programme is going in the country. So at what point are we at now in the vaccination programme in terms of age groups and are we on track? Uh, yep, yeah, so at the moment you, you will know uh, that there was a, a vaccine strategy released at the end of last year uh, with various priority groups and we're now uh, on priority group three and going into priority group four as well. So priority group one was uh, all the residents and the staff of long-term care facilities over the age of 65 uh, and that is substantially complete now. We are still doing uh, a very small number of dose ones and some dose twos for example, homes that we couldn't visit at the first uh, on the first round because th those homes had COVID outbreaks. But uh, we're pretty much complete in the in the long term care facility uh, end of things. Then the group two was our frontline healthcare workers. Uh, we're getting near to completion on our frontline healthcare workers as well. There's still uh, maybe a week or two to go of those uh, for uh, first doses, but that's going very well indeed. Um, and then we're doing also group three which is those people 70 years and older. Those people are being offered one of the mRNA vaccines, so that's either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine. That's being offered by their GPs, and GPs are getting deliveries every two weeks, uh, and they've been asked to go down from their 85-plus uh, patients mm -hmm. down to their 80 patients, and we're going down in five-year brackets like that. So uh, most GPs are now on their 80 uh, to 85-year-olds who they're vaccinating now. So over the next week or two, uh, Almost all the 80 to 85 year olds will be offered vaccines as well. And then now we're uh, looking into group four, which is people at very high risk of COVID-19 mm -hmm. uh, disease. So that's particularly people uh, maybe with immunocompromising uh, conditions or chronic kidney diseases. There's a few conditions on that list. So at the moment we're looking at identifying those people and then we're hoping to start the vaccination program of those people again at the end from the end of this week and that will again go on for a few weeks after that so uh, we're doing very well in the program now we're sort of into group three and group four okay so you can see there's definite progress being made and we are moving through the groups which is which is great to see and um, there's been a lot of talk in the media and elsewhere that, that there seems to be some delays with the the vaccines and um, could you tell me a little bit about that and maybe what are the reasons for some of the delays and are they likely to be resolved in the coming months? Yeah, so obviously uh, the thing with these COVID vaccines is that the, the companies have only just recently started manufacturing them, mm -hmm. so they don't have a big stockpile. So if there's any hiccups along the way with the manufacture, then they have to, uh, obviously, uh, they, they won't have enough uh, volume for us. So that's what we're working at, too. We're, all the companies are working with a just-in-time manufacturing, just-in-time shipping. So if there's any little hiccups along the way with that, that's why some of the, these delays have been happening obviously if they had a huge warehouse full of the vaccines we'd be getting them but mm -hmm. it's just because us and the whole of europe and obviously uh, across the world we're being given the vaccines as they're made so mm -hmm. that's why it's a little bit unpredictable but as the production the manufacturer ramps up uh, that's going to become a lot more stable so i think mm -hmm. over quarter two 
uh, we're going to see an awful lot more, a big increase in the number of vaccines that we have available in Ireland. So I know it's been really frustrating. We've thought that we've got vaccine coming and then maybe uh, the shipment has been reduced. So I know that's frustrating for everybody. That's frustrating for us as well as we're mm -hmm. trying to plan a programme. But yeah. uh, we've just, uh, you know, had to had to sort of roll with the changes and, and do the best we can with the, the vaccine we have available. So we're, def we're definitely not stockpiling vaccine here in mm -hmm. Ireland. We're, we're sending it out uh, as soon as we get it, uh, obviously making sure there's enough for, for people who achieve their second doses as well. But uh, definitely we're sending that as soon as we get it. And uh, as I say, quarter two is going to be much better, I think, and a much more stable position. OK, so, so really the, the issue is with, with supply. And I suppose it is we have to remember that this was a vaccine that didn't even exist 12 months ago. So the, the fact that we're in a position that we're receiving vaccines every week or two weeks is, is really incredible in such a short space of time, I think. Um, so just to move on from that. Well, there's no, uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're lucky. Yeah, I suppose we're just we're lucky. We've got uh, three different vaccines already yes. and we're hoping to have another one licensed uh, even in the week that we're in at the moment, hopefully Johnson & Johnson. So like you say, there's, yeah. things are changing all the time and the supplies are not only are increasing for each, vaccine but we're getting more vaccines coming on stream so you know things are definitely you know improving as the time goes on yeah i mean there definitely reasons to be to be hopeful there and how do are we comparing to the rest of the eu in terms of the vaccine rollout and in particular i'm thinking of countries like denmark that would have a similar population to ireland and, and would seem to be maybe a little bit faster than us so how are we first of all in the overall picture in the eu yeah well as you probably know um the whole, all the European uh, 27 went in for European procurement of vaccines. So everybody is getting their share based on their population size of the vaccine. So it is quite equitable in terms mm -hmm. of the amount of vaccine uh, being given across Europe. So all the programmes are roughly at the same place. So mm -hmm. Ireland, uh, looking at some data available, we've done about 10.5 uh, per 100 people uh, vaccinations. The whole of Europe as a whole has done about 9.5 per 100 uh, population. And Denmark has done about 12.5. So a little bit ahead of us, their data was submitted a little bit later than ours, so possibly we'll have caught up by now. But it's all you know, relatively similar. I think all the European countries are, are relatively in line in, in terms of what we're doing. So we, we are doing uh, pretty well. And obviously, uh, when we compare ourselves to the UK, it's not really quite so much like with like. They've done a lot of first doses, but they are only just starting to do their second doses Whereas our second doses for our Pfizer and Moderna, we are doing those, you know, with a four-week window. So that means we've completed more people proportionately than they have at the moment. Okay, because again, that's something we are hearing the media. Why is the UK ahead of us? But as you say, if they're just giving the first dose, that's obviously going to lead to some very different figures. Um, so um, you already mentioned there a few minutes ago about the groups that we, we've covered already the uh, in the in the homes and uh, the. Um, 80, 85 and, and over 70s, which groups should expect to receive their vaccines now in the coming months? Who, who's next on that list? Uh, yeah, so uh, next on the list um, are, again, more people with long-term uh, health conditions mm -hmm. between the ages of 16 and 69, and also everybody over 65 to 69, um, then go down to non-long-term, uh, non-frontline healthcare workers, and then working down through the other priority lists like key workers as well. So um, at the moment, that's the prioritization list. The prioritization list was uh, changed recently mm -hmm. on advice from NIAC. So I suppose the important thing is to kind of watch the space in terms of the prioritization list. As we learn more, as there's more data, as more vaccine becomes available, that prioritization list may change slightly. Mm -hmm. But we are working down through that list um, at the moment. So it's kind of it's the people most at risk of, of severe disease and death from COVID-19 effectively. So 
uh, those people with the chronic conditions and older people are the ones that we're prioritising at the moment and for the next you know, couple of prioritisation groups. Mm-hmm. And, and could I just ask on that, um, what type of conditions would we be talking about, underlying conditions, that people in, in that group would be prioritised? I've heard the likes of it severe. Well, it's, it's, it's quite a, a big... Yep. Yeah, it's quite a big list. So um, it's based on uh, evidence from Ireland and internationally for those people like KSA who are most at risk of, of um, uh, severe morbidity going to intensive care. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, uh, some are more at risk of dying. So it's quite a big list. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, chronic heart conditions, chronic lung conditions, diabetes, uh, immunosuppression, as well as people. So immunosuppressive treatment, uh, people who've had um, uh, transplants, um, uh, chronic liver conditions, some of the chronic neurological conditions, and some uh, disabilities uh, as well. So it's quite it's quite a long list, um, mm-hmm. and we'll be working through that list by the hospital consultants who will know some of those people. Okay. For example, dialysis or people who've had transplants, and then some people will be more uh, easily identified by their general practitioner. Okay. So we're just working on ways that we can contact those people and offer them uh, vaccines when they're available. Excellent. Okay. Um, so we, we move on. Um, I said we, 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 you know, we're a good little bit into the vaccination program now. And is there any data to suggest that it may be slowly beginning to have an impact? Uh, yeah. So there's uh, early data from Ireland um, that, for example, like I said, we've done a, a large proportion of our frontline healthcare workers. And if you look at the percentage of cases in Ireland who are frontline healthcare workers, it was 15 percent. In early January and now it's down to five percent. We've also seen a good decrease in outbreaks in long-term care facilities as well uh, because of those people being vaccinated. So there's some early data in Ireland that it's having an effect and there's also quite good data now coming uh, available from the UK and from Israel who are quite a bit further on with their programs in terms of their reduction in cases for those people that have been vaccinated as well. So it really does look like the, uh, the program is working to reduce uh, those people becoming severely unwell, which is really what the programme was designed to do. So that's really good news. Absolutely. And, and like we're, we're hoping as well in this series to give people a little bit of hope. So to hear news like that is, is really, really positive. And um, so, I mean, looking at the bigger picture again, roughly how many vaccines um, of di- the different types do you expect to be made available to Ireland? And will we have enough to cover the whole population? Uh, yep, yeah, so uh, I mentioned before the EU procurement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a process that's been going on for many, many months now, and there were uh, the EU approached several companies who were developing vaccines, and uh, Ireland has signed up to uh, purchase vaccines from several uh, of the companies. Mm-hmm. So actually, Ireland has signed up to purchase more vaccines than we need per population, mm-hmm. but actually that's a good news. Uh, that's a really good thing. At the time we were signing up, Nobody knew which vaccines were going to be successful or unsuccessful. Yes. You know, not all vaccines are going to come to fruition and be, be uh, you know, get through the trials and, and be successful. So uh, that was one of the reasons we signed up to more vaccines than uh, we needed. Another good reason, though, is it will uh, allow us to potentially have different vaccines available for booster doses. You've yes. probably heard about some of these new variants that are coming mm-hmm. online. I suppose no one exactly knows what the next 6, 12, 18 months is going to hold, but uh, some of the vaccine manufacturers are looking at changing the components of their vaccines a little bit to respond to these variants. So again, having the ability to have more vaccine than we need gives us the ability to be able to do booster doses if we need them uh, in a, a, at a later date because of these variants. So definitely expecting to have more than enough vaccine to, to cover the whole population and also to be able to respond possibly to the variants depending on uh, what's required in the future. That's, that's very good news to, to hear, all right. And um, 
if the quantity of vaccines arriving in the country increases, which you, you said could, could well happen, um, does this mean that more people will be vaccinated sooner? Will it speed up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the, the, um, the plan always is to try and send the vaccine out as quickly as we can when we get it. Uh, like I say, we're still effectively... We're now really running on four different cohorts at the same time. So finishing off long-term care facilities, our frontline healthcare workers, we're using GPs to vaccinate the over 70s, and now we're starting cohort four. So as we get more vaccine online, uh, we'll be ramping up uh, the vaccine delivery. So um, so some of the community uh, settings where we can do mass vaccination clinics, we can bring our community pharmacists online going forward, and there's probably more capacity in general practice as well. So absolutely, as the more vaccine comes in, we're going to ramp up. Uh, our ability to be able to deliver that vaccine out and to go down, work down those priority lists as quickly as we possibly can. And am I right in saying, just to follow up there, that the, the Moderna and AstraZeneca ones are a little easier to store, is that right? So they might be easier to get out to, to GPs or people who are going to actually give the vaccine? Uh, yeah, so it's more that the Pfizer vaccine, once it comes out of those really uh, low temperature freezers only has about four or five days shelf life left so that is a little bit more difficult mm -hmm. in a general practice they do have to get a large number of people through the door in a short space of time whereas the other ones will last in your fridge for at least a month if mm -hmm. not you know several months so yes in terms of some of those settings like GPs and community pharmacies those ones are a little bit easier uh, whereas the ones that only last a small amount of time uh, are probably a little bit easier to do in, in mass community so next way you're you know, going through quite a, a large number of people at a time. But okay. GPs are using the Pfizer vaccine. That is going very okay. well at the moment. So it's nothing's insurmountable as a problem. But, um, you know, it just means we have to change our ways of working a little bit. Okay, there's nothing like a crisis to show people's uh, kind of resilience and creativity in solving problems, which is, is great to see. Um, we've already mentioned some of the, the, the specific vaccines available, and you said the Johnson Johnson one may be available soon. Um, on what basis is it actually decided on which vaccine, which dose is given to which person? Um, and, and the person who submitted this question said, for example, if every eligible person in a town like New Ross would they all be given Pfizer or others be given AstraZeneca? Or how was that decided? Um, yeah, so obviously when we only had one vaccine, everyone was getting that vaccine. And as more vaccines have come online, uh, we've looked to the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, which are the independent uh, advisors on all vaccination programmes in Ireland. And they have given advice about which vaccines are suitable for which populations. Um, at the moment, uh, NIAC have advised that all vaccines are suitable for all populations, but they did give some preferential advice that people over 70, ideally, if the vaccine was available, should be given the mRNA vaccine. So that's a Pfizer or a Moderna vaccine, mm -hmm. and that's what we're doing at the moment. That's why that Pfizer vaccine is going to general practice to uh, deliver vaccine to those people. Um, so as more information becomes available, that, that advice may change. Johnson & Johnson isn't licensed yet, so we don't know what NIAC's going to advise about who should be given that vaccine. So that's something uh, to sort of watch this space. But uh, so, no, certainly in, a, in, a, in an area, probably people will be getting different vaccines. It really depends okay. where they are in the cohort okay. and whether that vaccine is suitable for them. And just to uh, confirm something, am I right in saying the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a single-shot vaccine? Is that right? It is a single-shot vaccine, so obviously that will make it a lot easier if you, you don't need to, to return for a second visit, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, next question actually came from a young person um, who has asked that those under 18 have not really been mentioned yet in, in the vaccination plan. Um, has a plan been devised once all the adults have been vaccinated to move on to the younger groups, or what's the situation with that? Yeah, so really 
um, the issue is in terms of the license ages for the vaccine. So AstraZeneca and the Moderna vaccine are only licensed for people 18 years and over. Okay. The Pfizer vaccine is actually licensed for people 16 years and over. Yes. So now we're targeting the very high-risk people, mm -hmm. people who are age 16 and 17 in a very high-risk category are going to be offered the Pfizer vaccine. So we're not excluding children as such. Okay. It's more that the vaccine is not actually licensed for younger children than that. Uh, there are studies ongoing at the moment, so trials ongoing in younger children. Mm -hmm. So as we work through the population, the adult population, uh, I would imagine those trials will uh, give their results. And then if these vaccines are licensed for children, then, as I say, we've got more than enough vaccine for the population. So then we will hopefully be able to move down into children at a later date. Although, as we know from the data, children tend to be less severely affected from mm -hmm. COVID-19 disease. So again, in terms of our prioritization, it wasn't so much excluding children. Uh, it was because they are less, usually less mm -hmm. at risk of, mm -hmm. of the severe complications of COVID-19 disease. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good to know. Um, so a lot of people are, are wondering kind of when is my turn when when will I get to do this my own parents are, are living quite close by and they're you know they're they're quite anxious so how will people actually be informed uh, of the date of the when they get their first vaccine and where to go how will they know uh, yeah, so I think, again, it depends in terms of this prioritisation list, where you are in that prioritisation list. So uh, it's very much listening out for, say, radio adverts, television adverts. At the moment, we're promoting uh, the fact that we're giving the vaccine to people uh, 80 years and over and that their GP will contact them. So those people will be contacted by their GP when they have the vaccine available. For the very high-risk conditions at the moment, they're going to be identified by their hospital clinician. So again, mm -hmm. the clinician will call them in uh, when they have the vaccine available to vaccinate those people. As we go down through the cohorts, we may well end up in a situation where there might be uh, a computer system that you can uh, log on and register yourself to be vaccinated. So that might be something that's coming down the track once we have more vaccine available and we're moving into different groups. So it really depends on what, what group you're in in the prioritization list, but we will make that very clear in, in as many uh, ways as we can to try and contact people when it's their turn to be vaccinated. Okay, so for the current groups and next groups, they don't actually have to do anything. They will be contacted themselves by a GP or someone at the hospital. Is that right? Or the hospital. Exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. yes, absolutely. Don't You don't need to, to be phoning your GP and finding out when you're okay. going to be vaccinated. You need to just wait for that, that call and that will, that okay. will be forthcoming. And it is possible that at a later date, there may well be a system in place to, where you can register yourself to to receive the vaccine okay yeah um so i mean i think that's pretty much all of the, the the questions i have and i just wanted to ask is there anything else that you feel uh, people should know about the 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 program yeah uh, well i suppose it's just to uh, remind people that we have we're really lucky that we have these safe effective vaccines available there's a lot of information uh, available for people if they want to know more about the vaccine some people are a little nervous they would like to learn a little bit more so we have some very comprehensive information on hse.ie so i would encourage people to look at that, that, that website for uh, more information uh, and uh, older people maybe who aren't so uh, savvy with computers can phone up hse live if they have any questions that they might want answered uh, and i suppose i would just encourage people when they're going for visits i know sometimes older people or people with um, chronic conditions maybe they've been cocooning for the last year maybe they're a little mm -hmm. bit nervous about going outside i guess i would just reassure you when you're going for your vaccine uh, all the COVID measures will be put in place. Uh, there'll be social distancing. Everyone will be wearing masks, and they really, really will try and minimise the amount of time that you're in that uh, in that environment as you move through your vaccination process. So you'll be asked a few questions about your suitability. 
you'll have your vaccine done and then you need to wait for about 15 minutes. A few people might need to wait for 30 minutes and then you'll, uh, you'll be able to uh, go home again. So it's, it's quite a quick process um, and it's very much uh, all the measures will be put in place to try and make you feel at ease and feel safe from COVID-19 disease. So I very much would encourage people to come forward when it's their turn and not to feel worried about leaving the house. I know it can feel a little bit daunting for people, but uh, obviously once you're vaccinated, uh, you have a much uh, lower risk of, of um, the severe effects of COVID-19. So it's very much worthwhile uh, coming forward to be vaccinated. Excellent. And, and I'll put the link to the HSC uh, website with all that information below this video and the phone number as well that you mentioned. I, I, that's on the website, I'm guessing. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put that on under the video as well. So anyone who wants to use that, please, please do. Um, so it just remains for me to say uh, thank you very much, Dr. Jessup. Um, it's been very informative, but also I think quite reassuring to see that we we are underway, we are making progress, uh, we're getting there. It, it can seem frustrating, as you said, at times, but we, we, we you know there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'd also like to thank you for all the work you've been doing, and indeed everybody at the HSE. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye.